Hello, everyone. Welcome again to Hollywood Breaks. It's Friday morning. It must be that day where we recap what we saw and heard this week. It's always good to be with you on these Friday mornings. It's our job to take these insider conversations that we're having on a day-to-day -day basis and bring them to you. And of course, I couldn't do it without my Hollywood insider, Keith. Keith, um, welcome again, Friday morning. That's Friday morning. Great to be with you, Tim, as always. Always yeah, a pleasure. <laughs> There's, uh, there's lots going on, as we know, in Hollywood, and uh, we chose this name Hollywood Breaks because there's things that are, that are breaking around us. Um, yeah, speaking of, speaking of uh, Hollywood, uh, Tim, before we get too deep into things, I was wondering, how was the experience last week of actually going to a movie uh, and watching a classic, uh, one of my favorite films, Raiders of the Lost Ark? I'm really curious how that experience went. Oh, I got to say, um, it, it, it was an awesome experience. Uh, it was actually cool. It's good, it's good that you remember that because uh, I almost forgot that I went to the movies. That's how, it feels like it's you know, a week between. Um, but it's so cool. So basically, Cinemark and probably other theater chains are, based, are opening up their theaters and you can have private parties. So um, they let you put up at least 20 people. They spread you out throughout the theater. Um, you can sit with people within your family group or whatever. Um, but so cool. And then they, we watched Indiana Jones, yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark, awesome, um, which to have a pack of, you know, these 13 to 15 year old boys in the back row that are, I mean, it, this is, this is such a boy move. They sat to the very, very back, right? Like the, the very, very, very far away. You, you probably came. would have left the theater if you brought any girls. <laughs> <laughs> I remember wanting to sit in the very back when I was younger too. Now I fight for the middle. And so I sat, I sat in the director's seat, the one right in the middle. And of course, then the moms sat by me because the dads needed to sit back by the boys. But I'm like, I'm paying for this. I'm sitting right there. Uh, but so fun. And it actually was great to be back in the movie. Um, it felt like a time of past. And it, it hasn't even been that many months. But uh, yeah. what a crazy time. I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, you, I don't. You should uh, get on the apps and start seeing there's something in your area. I, as a matter of fact, everyone should be doing this. It's such a great way to kind of just get the family out. Yeah, I mean, I would love name. to do it, I, except most of the theaters here are still closed. Like, oh my goodness, they've even opened yet. You should drive to uh, Tennessee or something, Keith. Come on, it's... or go to Florida. <laughs> just go to Florida because they're back full Florida. Everything's a great back idea. <laughs> Well, listen, I know that this week, like, we had a lot of, um, oh, like, yeah. almost a speed round of things oh, yeah. listening to. The funny one to me is, you know, the conversation we had with Robin, she totally nailed it last week. Just the conversation about trusting the people at studios, knowing they're going to look at some analytics. It wasn't even two hours later that I got the Bond news that they pushed it to 2021. Well, yeah, it's, it's funny. I emailed her right when I read the news, and I said, well, apparently they were in the movie or in that meeting while we were doing our podcast because they announced it literally hours after we, we wrapped our podcast for last week. So, And, you know, that just started the dominoes falling uh, because Bond moved to Fast 8's date and Universal is the international distributor for both movies. They had to bump Fast 8, so obviously Universal signed off on all this, so they bumped that. Um, you know, you've got the news today. Actually, it was, I think, late yesterday that Soul, the last Pixar movie that was sort of standing strong, or the last Disney movie, I should say, that was still on the release schedule, is now going to Disney Plus on, for a Christmas Day release. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Dune. Dune was pushed after we talked a little bit a couple weeks ago about that massive campaign that they put together to roll out that first trailer anticipating, uh, I think, a November release, and now they've pushed it into 2021. So it's just, the dominoes just continue to shift, and everything keeps moving, and 
Um, right now, the last big movie, I think, is Wonder Woman 1984. And one has to wonder if that's going to pull the plug, too. And then we'll basically be saying goodbye to any big major release in 2021. So that was that's a that's Christmas okay. release, too, right? They were going to push that back to, I want to say, right before Christmas. Yeah, I think it was right around December, I think. I think it might have been the week before West Side Story, when West Side Story was still there. I, I'm not entirely sure, but I, I'd be hard-pressed to think that Warners is going to keep keep it there, especially with the news that Regal shut down. They're closing their theaters in the U.S. because they just don't see a point with Bond abandoning ship and now Seoul. They just don't feel there's a reason to keep the theaters open because no one's going. Uh, so I and you, I'm speaking from a marketing point of view, you know this pattern well. But yeah. if you're releasing something in December, you really start the ball rolling late October, obviously, early November. Oh, yeah. And we don't know the results of an election yet that a lot of people speculate will change some of the politics around um, some of the shutdown. Yep. Um, it just feels too risky, right? These, these movies, uh, they spent hundreds of millions of dollars in their reserves. They can't just be throwing it at any audience that wants to show up. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel for the Warner Brothers crew because as we talked about that rollout was well crafted and it was well planned out and they clearly had a strategy that they put in place and now it's been upended. Um, and now they kind of have to go back to um, square one almost because you have to look at the landscape and what your competitive landscape time of year, all those things are, are, are factored into the, to the marketing decision and they don't get that money back. They spent it. It's not coming back. So it's, it's now like, okay, well now we've spent and now we got to go dark for about three months or however long it is. Um, and you know, they, I think they had a bit of a challenge anyway, just because we talked about previously that the audience for this movie is kind of like, you're not really sure who it is. I mean, you think it's probably older males simply because of the nostalgia factor yeah. of the original and, and maybe young females because it's Timothy, Timothy, but yeah, that's, I would need to see the research to really back that up. But you got, then it just, you got to go dark. They started this momentum and then they go dark and they don't beat the drum. My, my theory is always, especially with big movies, you just have to beat the drum or feed the beast, if you will. Just continually feed your audience something that they can just either remind them the movie's coming out or tease their, their taste buds in terms of the movie so they get a sense of what it is and an interest in it. And now they're just basically going to have to, you know, shut it down because one, they don't, they don't get the money back. So they got to conserve their cash. Yeah. Two, they don't know the movie might move again. So it's. Well, it's, the, uh, and, and uh, I think to recognize it's not necessarily the feature film cost, but there's a return on ad dollar that when you spend that money, you're going to get a return, the return on the dollar spent. If you're basically shooting that, that ad dollars towards an audience that won't exist, that can't show up anyway. You're right. basically really just burning that money with no possible yep. return, which is yep. very foolish. Yep. I mean, I guess, luckily for Allison or Nick, our, our trailer friends, that maybe they'll get another run at the, building another amazing trailer <laughs> out of this thing. Yeah, um, they've been busy. I mean, uh, they've been definitely uh, been cutting a lot of trailers. They, I think they posted another one this week called for the Free Guy, I think, which I think is a Disney movie. Um, Disney or twenty old twentieth century Fox movie that's now a Disney movie, obviously. Yeah. Um, that they released this week. Um, so they're they're definitely still busy. But again, these big movies moving is not. It's just yeah. not for the industry as a whole. Yeah, it's very it's very crazy, and and really some of the deconstruction of the industry is happening too. Um, there's a more additional layoffs. I'm you know, for me like the targets are going to be 
NBC Universal. They they got to be hurting on both ends of the stick here. Yeah. Their theater, their parks are shutting down. The theaters aren't distributing their films, and I don't think cable's winning in the in the, the viewing game. So yeah. there's too many things moving in their um, hemisphere. Uh, they have gorgeous buildings in downtown Philadelphia. You probably could see it from your home right there, but yeah. uh, that's not going to get to people. That's to not going to the keep the lights on. No, no. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and you know, you've, you've made a great point in terms of the cable. Warner Media, uh, Wall Street Journal ran a story yesterday of Warner Media. They're looking to cut, cut costs by about 20% because of the loss in ad revenue as well as the loss in theater revenue. Um, obviously, Tenant was not a moneymaker for them, and that was an expensive movie. So they're looking at a red balance sheet with regards to that. And what that means is thousands of layoffs are coming. Um, and yeah sort of a, a realignment in, in a lot of ways and um, a shifting of strategy. Uh, and their HBO Max launch was, is sort of now being accepted as not spectacular. Um, and, you know, Peacock is struggling as well. Um, you know, so it, it's, you yeah. would think that having that extra distribution stream would sort of help the studios in a lot of ways, but Disney Plus seems to be the only one who's really willing or Disney, I should say, is the one who's only the one who's willing to use that distribution platform for some of their bigger titles. Now that could change with Wonder Woman 1984. Warner Brothers could finally say, no, we, this, we, HBO Max needs a lifeline. Their CEO, Jason Kalar, comes from Hulu. So he's realigning the business to sort of play more in line with sort of the OTT space. So maybe that will be the shift. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Cause I, I mean, um, also Disney is doing some cutbacks as well. 28,000 of their employees in the, in the, the um, park space. parks department are being cut. Like there really is a great de deconstruction happening in the entertainment space in, yep. in a lot of ways. Yep. Um, and this pattern that we're seeing, um, it doesn't seem like there's any end in sight. I think people are really trying to hold on to an old world model wondering if like really is just are we just holding our breath waiting for things to restore themselves and then be able to put things back to normal in a way but when you lay off that many employees you start losing that um you know and um, kind of mental assets that were part of everybody's realm and those folks have to do something else to make a living they're going to take up new jobs those major shifts are taking place and not to mention the ott platforms are basically scooping up a lot of that talent yeah, I mean, they, they really are. I mean, Netflix is a case in point. They, they scooped up a mass amount of theater, theatrical, studio theatrical talent. I mean, Scott Stuber runs their film division. He was at Universal for years. Um, so they, they clearly are, you know, that's where a lot of the talent is going. Um, it, it'll just be interesting to see how the, the shift has happened as sort of the theme of this podcast has been, and as I've mentioned, over the last five years there, these issues have percolated and everyone saw them coming, but it took the pandemic to sort of force them to the front, forefront and to really force some of the businesses to really start taking a hard look at how things are shaping. And I think the exhibitors in particular are going to have to take a hard look at their, their business model. And I think theater going as we knew it in sort of the pre COVID era, I think is going away. And I think what we're going to see in the next few months and years is going to be a new sort of theatrical experience in a lot of ways. So, you know, that being said, even the, the movie creation experience is taking place. I don't know about you, but I've been watching this Jurassic Dominion yep. um, thing play out. I was really curious, you know, in reality, like they're creating their own small little bubble, um, much more like the sports teams are doing. They have their whole crew sitting in one hotel, <clears throat> shooting every day, testing three times a week. 
and then someone tested positive. I yep. think it's shut down for two weeks. Well, I read uh, Colin Trevorrow, who's the director, um, of, was the director of the first Jurassic World, um, was the director of this one. He, uh, he tweeted out, we had a couple of positive tests, which I guess then subsequently tested negative, and they did a retest, but just out of abundance of caution, because you don't want to take a risk, they shut down for two weeks, much like Batman shut down for two weeks because of Robert Pattinson's testing positive. So it's... And again, this goes to the whole shifting model. Like you're right, they create this own little village, but some talent, you know, usually wants to double book and wants to leave. And that's sort of shifting that side of the space because they can't necessarily leave and go do another project and come back. So, you know, it's, it's, it's causing a, a, a complete shift in really how the movies come together. Yeah, and I, I've been watching some of the news too about some of the opportunities that they've had to kind of clean things up. I know that they had Chris Pratt doing kind of a different travel schedule because mm -hmm. his wife was pregnant and yep. they really tried to make things work. But the, you have to imagine like this, the magic of making the movie, right? The old set days. Yeah. We're just driving, you know, on the 10 freeway in LA, you'd see some lights and you could pull off the freeway and just go stand and watch them make a film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, that probably is pre 9-11. They obviously create a larger perimeter um, when they, after 9-11. But, but still, you could feel like you're a part of the engagement of what's happening. Now it just feels like, I mean, it is a bubble. You know? yeah. And the, even the actors or the crew, they're not around the set like they used to. Everyone's really disconnected. So yeah, they might be able to get the content out, but you might as well be doing it over Zoom meetings. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, that idea is just not a fun way of making it. In a lot of ways, it's... it's it's sort of sad, and the hope is that once you know the vaccine is is you know prevalent enough that we can kind of go back to normal somewhat. Um, but the set, having worked on a set and you know been a part of a big production for four or five months, it really feels like a family. You are with these people long hours, long nights. You're a lot of them. Some of them are stressed, um, and you really do become a fan. And I'm talking the entire crew. Right? You know, I'm not just talking about the actors getting along and you know, the actors for a lot of ways are just employees making magic happen. Yeah. That's how a lot of people feel when you're on a film set, you feel like you're putting the pieces together to make Hollywood magic. And yeah. now with long hours, locations, long hours, locations, now because it's all green screen, but red, you know, red vines are the handful, you know, those things. Yeah. I mean, yeah the, and the craft service, you can't do craft service anymore. Cause it's yeah. all that food exposed. Yeah, who wants to be in this industry? There's no, yeah, craft so much gone. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it, it is sad. That part of it does make me sad a little bit because so much of, my experience on the film I worked on was, which was Van Helsing, which was a big universal monster movie with Hugh Jackman, um, was great because you felt like you were a part of a family and the yeah. director felt that. Like he was like, you know, the, the captain of the ship. And, you know, it, you lost that because now when you go to shoot, it's like only so many people can be on set at a time and you can't have, you know, everyone has to be masked. So nobody really wants to talk. And it's, yeah. I just, I can't imagine the energy on a set nowadays when having to compare it to what it was like even seven, eight months ago. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it, you, you made me think of this um, articles reading in variety or online in variety, I guess we don't read in variety anymore. Um, but it was the 20th anniversary of uh, almost famous and yeah. it was Cameron Crowe and the two young men that were actors in the film. And they were basically just talking through what it was like to work with Cameron, what the filmmaking was like, the rap party. You know, there's a bunch of just 
conversation. Now, of course, they're on Zoom doing it. They're not in live doing this anymore. Yeah. Um, but the way, when they were talking, it made me start thinking like, oh, you know, there, there's some magic around movie making that that connection and that playfulness and that creative energy has got to be somewhat dissolved. Um, yeah. But also I started start thinking like, wow, you know, uh, I remember watching that movie in the theater and there's sense of like what a classic movie is. You know, the overall experience of going to the theater the first time you see it, the, the revelation of the story, how great it was. That was such a, such a great story too. Um, but it made me start thinking like, you know, will we have, is it possible that we can make a classic movie under this environment? Is, is this like not only the death of celebrity, but the kind of like the death of the movie classic and yeah. the whole audience is going to reconcile something different? I think, I think we're definitely looking at that. I mean, I would argue that I think that started a few years ago. I think the, the idea of a classic movie and movies that will be remembered, I know we've talked about this briefly, but you know, the last movie I remember that's still quotable, like I said, is Jerry Maguire. And I don't really, I can't think of a movie, like I'm never going to quote anything from Avengers and Infinity War. I mean, I, I don't remember any of the quotes from that movie. Um, and that's something that really, like that is a hallmark of a classic movie. You remember the quotes, you remember where you were when you saw it. And I think, I think just because of the ubiqu ubiquitousness of entertainment now and just the options. And to be quite frank, the sort of lack of real original storytelling that sort of lifts people up and takes them to another world, which is really the genius of Hollywood magic, I think is sort of slipping away in a lot of ways. You know, you're challenging me because even when I think about Star Wars, the latest Star Wars, the first thing that comes to my mind isn't quotes. It's what I didn't like about the movies. Like it's these scenes. I'm like, Oh, that didn't work. Oh, that, what, well, what's that it's, it's, it's interesting that you bring up star Wars. Cause I think I'm, I'm in, a, in the midst of a case study of that very franchise with my son, who's six years, six years old going on seven. And I introduced him to star Wars not too long ago and he is obsessed and good for him. <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's great i mean yes. i think it, it it goes to the idea of the timelessness of the hero's journey um you know i don't know if any of anyone listening or watching has ever read hero with a thousand faces by joseph campbell but it's supposedly the book that inspired Spiel, uh sorry george Lucas to write star wars and the hero's journey and it, it the book basically describes the hero's journey throughout centuries of cultures and how it's just something that just strives people to want to be interested in that storytelling and i think that you know maybe because it still is timeless maybe will that the another generation star wars will come up and maybe we will have the classic movie again yeah. um, i think a lot of it is some of it may be attributed to not to get too political but sort of the isolation of a lot of the people that work in the industry these days um they're not as sort of um, it feels sort of like they're living in another world almost. Um, one of my old bosses at Fox used to say, you know, the biggest problem with people who work in Hollywood is they live behind gates and they work behind gates. And 90% of the world in the country does, does neither. So there's a sort of a lack of um, understanding of that world. And I think that that's only heightened, especially in our current political environment and how divided and divisive things are. And that's largely driven by social media and other factors. But you know, when Jaws and Raiders of the Lost Ark and a lot of the movies that came out in the 90s, we didn't have any of that. Goonies, I think we it was. The, 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 yeah. Debates, but we didn't have the sort of 
divisiveness that you see today. And I think a large part of that is because there's so much loss that we don't really have in common as much anymore. And I think that that may be one of the reasons why it may be harder to establish a classic film nowadays. I, yeah, I mean, you're, to me, the, the sense of nostalgia in the films that you mentioned too, there's something just that we all shared together. I feel like the release dates were so important because it was uh, a cultural moment where everyone went within a couple of weeks and saw this film. And that's what the quoting movies was about because we all saw something and we'd bring a piece of it back to, back to school. It's a part of the culture. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, and if you look at Avatar, and I brought this up before, Avatar was the number one mo- gro- grossing movie in the world until Avengers unseated it. And can, no one can quote that movie. Yeah. No one remembers any quotes from that movie. Nobody really remembers any of the scenes from that movie. And, uh, you know. Maybe, maybe Titanic. Maybe Titanic was the, the last yeah, quotable movie, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, although, King of the World. That's the King of the one World. I, yeah, King of the World was the biggest one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Chuck Workman would have his uh, his you know his workout for him to try to make a movie sequence of classic movies in the last five years. I, I think you're right because yeah. we all consuming at different times on different platforms for different reasons, different groups I of mean, people. Example, we don't bring them back to work with us or bring them back to to. Yeah, and not to harp on the point, but if you think about the last Best Picture, nobody knows what the Best Picture was, and most of the Best Pictures that have won in the last three or four years haven't made any money. Yeah, they're they're very they're basically New York, LA movies. And you probably have to go back to, oh, I don't know, Gladiator, to, or t- even Titanic. Or I think Gladiator was after. Yeah, Gladiator, well, I don't remember. But one of those two was probably the last movie that everyone, they were big grossing movies and they won all the awards at the Oscars. So sure. everyone agreed, this is a classic movie. Yeah. Lord of the Rings series had a, a lot of that um, institutionalized kind of, uh, yeah. overall great picture stuff. You're yeah. totally right. But so, so here's an interesting pivot that I've, it, just thinking about the nostalgia, um, you know, uh, 420 dog face 208, right? This uh, Twitter, I mean, sorry, TikTok uh, handle this guy has. Yeah, the TikTok handle. Yeah. yeah, that becomes, that becomes the cultural moment. And that's, yeah. uh, what is it? Is it even a one minute video? I think it's only 40 seconds or something like that. 40 seconds or something like that, yeah. Yeah. And that becomes the nostalgia hit of the summer for a 40 second guy uh, drinking uh, cranberry juice while riding on a skateboard. Uh, and listening to Fleetwood Mac. Don't leave that part out. He's listening to Fleetwood Mac. I was going to say, and, but he's not even singing Fleetwood Mac. He's no, lip singing Fleetwood Mac. It's, and for whatever reason, people are fascinated it's by it. Putting like, on the hits. Like, what the heck's going on here? Like, um, but like, what a strange movement to take place, right? So anybody that you went to USC film school thinking they're going to make some big biopic of something, and then 420 Dogface shows up and he starts singing, singing something while drinking cranberry juice, you know, the, all the momentum shifts there, the advertising dollar shifts there, the viewers shift there, 26 million people, keep, 26 million people are watching a 40 second video and then replicating it. Uh, yeah. Stevie Nicks even made her own version of it. That's- so, you know, I think when we all look back on this time, the classic moments are going to be like the socially viral moments. That's what everyone's going to remember, not where you were when you saw Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah. <laughs> and, we like, don't qu- and we won't quote things. We'll just lip sync no, we'll over just, someone else's lip sync that's yeah. happening. Or, or, or you'll try to mimic what they did. You'll, you'll, you'll try to take a version of what they posted and do your own version of it. Can and I? That's uh, the idea of the, the classic. And so that'll be 
for the next generation. So the nostalgia will be like the socially viral moments that, you know, got 26 to 40 million views or whatever. Yeah. And so even, even kind of furthering that thought, um, Twitch came out with these numbers. This is insanity, Keith. Yeah. 7.46 billion hours of live stream content in, in quarter three. So in yeah. one quarter, 7.46 billion viewing hours of human beings. That's 8,000 centuries of viewing, uh, 91% of all content. So eight millennia of, of viewing in, three, in a three-month period. Yeah. The, the consumption rate of media has gone up so much. Right. That traditional yeah. and the cost of making traditional um, media, is, it's got to be shifting. And anyone out there that's uh, not paying attention to this and think that they're going to uh, make content of old, has, you have to start reconciling and, and building up some sort of um, new appreciation for what is happening so that you can, you can make those, that type of content because yep. this yep. competition is, is way too tough. Yeah, it's, it's, it really is fierce. I mean, and a lot, of, a lot of the audience was on Twitch, which is basically just watching people play video games. I mean, I think it, it and there is an interest in that because you know, you're watching somebody basically, you're watching a movie play out more or less for argument's sake. Um, and, you know, I think it's just gonna be a really challenging environment because I mean, let's, people want to be entertained. People want content. The theatrical experience will always be around. I don't think we're talking about the death of movies. I mean, there are a lot of people, I saw headlines uh, last night that said, did Christopher Nolan kill the movies? Oh my <laughs> God. Like, Instead of save it, please give the guy he pushed out tenant <laughs> And, you know, now he's, you know, the rumblings are he's upset at Warner Brothers because they, he thinks they botched it. I mean, so you know, it, it's one of those things where I don't think, I mean, th we've been here before. Yeah. We, you know, one of the things that I loved about my time at Fox is when Jim Giannopoulos took over as CEO, he gave a, did a big town hall and he threw up these headlines that basically said, movies are done, they're dead, you know, we're, we're done with the movie. And then he would reveal the dates. One was when television came out. The next one was when the VCR and DVD, VCRs came out. Yeah. And this, this has been a long time tale of the end of the industry. And I don't think it's ever going to happen. Theatrical experience will always be here. Yes. I think we're just in one of those moments where it's going to start to shift. And what we knew six, seven months ago is gone. And now we're going to have to look at what the future holds. And that may be a different theatrical experience. It may be, and I think that's something that's necess necessary to bring audiences back. Um, maybe it will be a return to more original storytelling and less reliance on big budget movies and more on focusing on storytelling and maybe not relying so heavily on the Netflix model, which is more like just churn out as much as you can. Yeah. And Cause it's not always great content there either, but uh, yeah. I, I think that is actually kind of the exciting uh, moments and, and things that I'm excited to kind of see play itself out. Um, you know, the, the threshold of entry, doesn't have to be a hundred million dollars before you make a yeah. feature film. Um, you right. can go back to kind of making some of those uh, great classics that are somewhat handheld um, yep. audience is built into it. Even a 40 second video can get uh, 26 million viewers um, and a lot of revenue for, um, for, for some of the distri distributors. That's the kind of uh, stuff we're excited to do. Yep. Uh, it almost makes me think, you know, we've been talking about the death of celebrity, but I wonder if there's another shift that we are, that we're also recognizing. And I'm with you. I don't think it's going to die any more than the theater experience. The live theater experience didn't die when the movies started coming right. out. Movies will be around in one category and we're just creating another category of uh, entertainment in our space. Yep. Well, there's another 
good week's worth of comprehension. I love the conversation about what's really happening and kind of the yeah. deep dive into this stuff. Um, I think we're, you and I are on the journey as well. The conversations we're having, even the stuff that we're trying to create the two of us together, yeah. you know, we're, we're th really thinking some of this stuff through ourselves. So um, we're happy to share that with you, the audience. We appreciate you being part of our journey here and uh, just give this two hours and Warner brothers or, or Disney or someone's going to come out with something else is going to come out and we'll talk about it next week. <laughs> yeah. I think they're just trying to shut us down by making us irrelevant within hours of us recording yeah, exactly, these things. Exactly. Um, but it's always good to be with you, Keith. Thanks again. And um, we'll kind of tune in next week. As always, thank you for, to Lydia uh, Scarlett and Ethan Hill behind the scenes. They're helping us put this show together, um, especially the Go Social team who's out there making these new graphics for us. We're so excited to be, have them part of our team and kind of up our game a little bit. It's really great to uh, kind of be building this team. Um, we're thankful for all of you watching it. And we'll see you next week on Hollywood Breaks.